Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Good evening, Blake's Book Club and uh, Nerd Clan members. I'm back. I am back. And I hope uh, you guys have been enjoying the book. Uh, and uh, as well as all the other things that we got going on at the Nerd Clan, uh, like all the little Q&As and uh, the random posts that we've been putting up about our behind-the-scenes life and uh, just basically making fun of Mary because she was uh, <laughs> she was super pouty today, which was cute. So uh, I hope uh, I hope you guys are enjoying those uh, those posts in the Nerd Clan. Uh, today, though, we are talking. Uh, for Blake's Book Club, uh, chapter 17, Confessions. And sure enough, we are in the middle of this book. We are halfway done. And uh, quite almost, well, we're just a, uh, a few pages uh, over that. Um, maybe 10 or so pages. But for all intents and purposes, we are uh, halfway through the book. And uh, page 342 on the hardcover edition. That's exactly when chapter 17 begins. And, of course, there are 658 pages to this story. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we are halfway through the book and um, we get to this point, the meadow, uh, the uh, unveiling, if you will, uh, of, of, of uh, the innermost uh, or the... Uh, the most dangerous, well, yeah, yeah, the most dangerous part of uh, their relationship, Bella and Edward, but also the, re the revelation uh, of his skin and what that means to him and how that impacts Edward's life uh, and his relationship or potential relationship with Bella. It is not by accident that this happens. And when you consider the framework of the book and the emotional trajectory of what we're trying to experience, it makes sense. Um, it makes sense that this is the, the, the major turning point for Edward. It makes sense that this is the major factor in the book that will forever change the fabric of the story in terms of this story. Uh, I think one of the problems that we had, and, and I don't specifically remember if, you know, this revelation happens halfway through the Book of Twilight. I, If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I, when you look at it from this perspective, when you look at it from this book alone, you have to rethink what is important to the book. And you have to rethink what is the motivating factor for the book. Is it cute that we get a chance to see Twilight from Edward's perspective? Sure. It's cute. Um, I think it was Maureen on one of the last chapters that said that this is like the whipped cream on top of the ice cream uh, for Twilight. Twilight being the ice cream, this being the, the whipped cream. Whipped cream makes everything better, <laughs> but it's not the main dish. It's not the point. The point is the ice cream. Um, 
that kind of flies in the face of my logic that this book should stand on its own. Um, it really should. There is no reason why it shouldn't. Um, and I think this might be the best case, this chapter might be the best case for it standing on its own. Because the point is to not only be in Edward's perspective looking at the events of Twilight, but also understanding Edward's transition into being uh, bored um, and in stasis, going day to day, just being where he is. And then all of a sudden, this girl coming into his life and that stasis being interrupted in a major way. So again, I think one of the issues that we've been having, or at least I have been having, is, okay, when are we going to get to the good stuff that happened in Twilight? How long are we going to do this? How long are we going to brood? Uh, and while I will not apologize for saying that the broodiness is overwhelming, it is, I, I think I have it reframed in my head now, the point of the book. And the point is, what is Edward becoming? What does a human do to a vampire as opposed to what a vampire does to a human, right? Because that was our perspective in Twilight. How does this girl get involved with the vampires and how does that change her life? In this case, it's the opposite. It's how do these vampires who were in stasis, uh, quite literally in stasis, uh, how does this girl affect their life? Uh, and this is the big emotional moment for Edward. This is when he confesses to her uh, his issues, uh, his um, his skin, the way that it turns into diamonds and it shines and shimmers. And uh, But not only that, he confesses to her all the feelings that he had uh, about her, the way that he wanted to kill her. Uh, but, you know, you know what I mean by kill her. Uh, he confessed to all of the ugliness that he has, uh, that, that is within him, to her. And I really liked this chapter because of that. You know, it, it, we do get into some things here that it's just like, you know, kind of... Um, you know, it, it's just, it's it's broody, and it, it, the the whole thing of it is... You know, like it just okay. When we, let's land the plane here. How much can you? How many different ways can you say that she shouldn't be with me? And how many different ways can you say she should hate me? And I'm disgusting, right? But there are some interesting things in here that uh, highlight what Edward is going through. And the and the first of them being uh, his interpretation of the thirst for Bella. How I interpreted thirst wasn't even exactly the way the rest of us and the rest of my family did. To me, the thirst was a fire burning. Jasper described it, it was a burning too. But to him, it was like acid rather than flame, chemical and saturating. Rosalie thought of it as a profound dryness, a screaming lack rather than an outside force. Emmett tended to evaluate his thirst in the same way, and I suppose that was natural, as Rosalie had been the first and most frequent influence in his second life. 
that's an interesting little tidbit uh, to describe the inner workings of thirst um, and how, what that means to each of them, that, that, what that forces their identity to be. And this chapter is rife with the theme of what does it mean to be me? What does it mean to evolve? How does how do I deal with my ever with my now changing um, with with my transformation from being a, a vampire in stasis to someone who now experiences love? Um, but I, those. It's not as simple as, oh, I met a girl and I love her now. It's this transformation happens a lot. And, and there's a lot of comparisons that are made between Edward and his previous life to now. And one of those great comparisons um, is when Edward talks about Emmett and what he did to these humans um, that he killed and there's a great conversation here between Edward and Bella where, where she asks, what did Emmett do? She asked in a conversational tone, as if this were just some storybook fairy tale I was sharing with her, as if good always won the day. And though the road might get dark at points, nothing truly evil or permanently cruel was allowed to happen. How could I tell her about these two innocent victims, humans with hopes and fears and people with families and friends who loved them, imperfect beings who deserved a chance to improve, to try, a man and a woman with names now inscribed on simple headstones and obscure graveyards. Would she think better or worse of us if she knew that Carlisle required our attendance at their funerals? Not just these two, but every victim of our mistakes and lapses. Were we a tiny bit less damned because we had listened to those who knew them best describe their shortened lives? Because we bore witness to the tears and the cries of pain? The monetary aid we'd anonymously provided to make sure there was no unnecessary physical suffering seemed crass in retrospect. Such a weak recompense. 